Well, good morning, Grace people. Good to be with you today. Good morning to those of you who are watching in the Fellowship Hall today as we sit under God's Word. We are off and running on our journey through the Gospel of Mark in our current sermon series, Mark My Words. And I mean it when I say running. Mark is intense. Jesus bursts onto the scene in chapter 1, and his first words are a call to faith and action as he declares, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Immediately after he proclaims it, he begins to live it. He begins to come near, because the kingdom comes near as the king comes near. Jesus comes near to some fishermen, and immediately they drop their nets and follow him. Jesus comes near to those afflicted by demonic powers, and the demons immediately flee. Jesus comes near to those who are sick and hurting, and immediately they are healed and made whole. Jesus comes near to eat with outcasts and sinners, to tell them and show them how much they are loved by God, and immediately the self-righteous religious leaders protest. So, Jesus comes near to those religious authorities to tell them and show them who is the ultimate authority over sin and sickness and even the Sabbath itself. The kingdom has come near. Repent and believe the good news. All of this happens in the short space of just three chapters and more at the beginning of Mark. And in the midst of this story, there are crowds starting to gather around Jesus. And each time he shows up, the crowds start to swell, becoming larger and larger and larger. And the questions are starting to be asked, some in muffled tones, whispered from one ear to another. Could it be? Could he be the one? Could he be the Messiah? The long time and long awaited king who has come from on high with power to throw off the chains of the Roman Empire and establish God's kingdom on earth? Could it be the time? Is it now? So they gather on the shores of Lake Galilee. And there's so many of them that Jesus needs to climb aboard a small boat and push away from the shore just so that all can see and hear him. The excitement is building. The anticipation is palpable. People are waiting to get their marching orders. Is it time for the revolution to begin? And Jesus stands before them and says... Farmers sow seeds. Sometimes they grow, sometimes they don't. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Huh? What? Did I take a day off from work to come and hear this? Wait a minute, Jesus. We heard you performed miracles. We heard you healed the sick. We heard you cast out demons. We heard you confronted the religious leaders and stood up to them. We heard you stood up for the outcasts, the outsiders, people like us. And you came to give us a lesson on farming? I don't get it. So they take a break. And Jesus' disciples gather close to him. And they say, uh, uh, Jesus, um, what was that all about? And Jesus told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing and never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus looked at his disciples and said, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Jesus speaks in parables, and he quotes Isaiah for his reason why, so that the outsiders don't understand what he means. And then his closest disciples, the insiders, right? Don't understand what he means. Why? There's a mystery to be solved here. There's a secret that is at work here. And the misunderstandings about God's kingdom that faced those first disciples still confront us today. There's misunderstanding about this kingdom of God. People are always on the lookout for a sign from above with a power from above to join their side and give them power so they can have that power to get their way and win. This is the way of earthly kingdoms. This is the way of politics. This is the way of religion. But it is not the way of Jesus. In fact, Jesus shares two more parables to try and help his disciples understand this secret of the kingdom. Starting in verse 26, Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts 
and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parables shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. And it goes on to say, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. But he doesn't explain any more to us. The kingdom Jesus is announcing doesn't come from the top down. It doesn't come with fanfare and power and technique and brilliant ideas of men and women. His kingdom is a seed. It's small. It looks insignificant. It falls to the ground. And it is covered up by the soil. And it disappears. Until God does a miracle. What kind of seed is this? It's the word of God. And what is the word? The better question is who is the word? It's Jesus himself. This is how the kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the word of God that is taken on flesh and blood to declare God's grace and forgiveness for sinners. It's the word of God that sacrifices his body and blood to provide grace and forgiveness for sinners. It's the word of God who dies, goes into a tomb in the ground. And after a miracle three days later, rises from the dead into new life. That's the word. Jesus says it in John 12, 24 through 26. He says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed But if it dies, 
it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This is the secret of the kingdom. You see, the kingdom of God isn't something that we produce. The kingdom of God ultimately is not about productivity. The kingdom of God is about reproductivity. The kingdom of God is about taking and receiving that seed that comes into your life, the word of God, Jesus himself through his Holy Spirit, that comes and indwells in you. And then Jesus does a miracle. The Holy Spirit does a miracle and brings life from that single seed. And that single seed starts to multiply in you, to overflowing until now as you live your life, you spread seed wherever you go. And that seed falls into other ground. And it's hidden and covered. And you may not even know whether it's working or not. But that's not up to you. What is up to you is to spread some seed. To sow some seed. To sow Jesus and live Jesus out for the sake of others to see. We don't make disciples of Jesus by trying to produce some kind of Jesus-shaped container that we shove people into hoping they will conform to it. No. It's not the job of Jesus' followers to save anyone. It's not the job of Jesus' followers to exert power over others in order to enforce some religious moral code. It's not the job of Jesus' followers to wield the power of earthly kingdoms to create a Christian society. That was the work of the Pharisees and the Roman Empire. It's the job of Jesus' followers to plant seeds. It's the job of Jesus' followers to sacrificially love their neighbors in the way of Jesus. Oh, and by the way, to love their enemies too. Then it's the job of Jesus' followers to trust the Holy Spirit is working below the surface in the hidden places to grow his kingdom within them. This isn't a kingdom from above. This is a kingdom from below that starts in the ground and in the dirt. You are here today because someone planted a seed in you. That's why you're here. You couldn't be here by any other means. Not by the strength of your own will. You are here because someone planted a Jesus seed into you. Maybe it was in your baptism as a child. Maybe someone later came along and, and spread some seed into your life when you were in middle school or confirmation. Maybe somebody spread some seed into you in high school or in college. Maybe a coworker or a dear friend or a spouse or someone else put some seed into your 
heart into your life, and then the Holy Spirit took it from there. And because of that, you're here. And the life of God is working in you. So the question that is begged is where are you planting seeds? Whose life are you sowing into? Who do you see who needs a word from God? Who needs a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a word of life, a word of forgiveness? Are you listening to their stories? Are you seeing them for who they really are? Ones who Jesus died for. Are you willing to invest some seed into them and trust in a good God? Maybe today you're asking another question. Pastor, you didn't say anything about the soil. What about the four soils? What about the hard soil and the weedy soil and the rocky soil? What about those soils? Well, what does that say to you today? You don't have to have me tell you something. This is Jesus' words. What do they say to you? I know what they say to me. I certainly wouldn't call myself good soil. Not on my own. No way. <laughs> Would anybody say they are good soil? <laughs> Listen, there are times when we feel overwhelmed by worry and trouble. There are times when we are deceived by wealth and worldly desires. There are times when we are harassed by spiritual forces that seek our demise. And none of us are good enough, strong enough, or righteous enough to handle it and figure it out for ourselves. But Jesus is a master gardener. He was there in the original garden, speaking a word that brought the whole world into existence. He was there in the garden at his resurrection and one of his disciples confused him for a gardener. He'll be there at the end of all days to create and set up a new garden. A garden that will be eternal. He is a master gardener. And he knows the condition of your soil. And he is good and he will come and pull out the weeds when he is ready. And he will come and pull up the rocks and the stones that are there and cast them out of the way. And he will break up the hard ground of your heart. He is good. He makes good soil. And it's only by his love and grace that we become the good soil for his good seed to land 
and grow a little bit at a time until the whole world knows. It's the secret of the kingdom, my brothers and sisters. And now it has been spoken to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are God and we are not. And Father, as you spoke through your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, we confess that there are things that Jesus says that sometimes we don't fully understand. There are things that Jesus does that leave us scratching our heads or curious or wondering. And that's because he is God and we are not. So, Lord, today we trust in your word, Jesus. We trust that that good word is spoken to us who are not good. And that by the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord, you make us into good soil. And some seasons there may be rocks, and some seasons there may be weeds, and some seasons we may feel hardened, but there's always the next season. Lord, do that work that only you can do in our lives. And then, Lord, help us to be fruitful. Help us to be reproductive of your word, which is you, Jesus, into the lives of people around us, just as you have done in our lives and continue to do in our lives, Lord, because we need it every day. Your work you're tilling the soil. You're planting the seeds. You miraculously bringing life out of the ground. Just as you, Jesus, rose up from the ground into eternal life for our sake. We trust you, Jesus. We love you. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.